Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 37 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And um, I would like to thank all of you, you know, for, you know, sparing some time of your day to listen to, to, listen to the podcast. Uh, for that, thank you so much. And thank you again for your, you know, questions and kind feedback. Uh, and again, if you have any 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 questions, any type of questions regarding you know the religion of Islam, that's that's basically why I'm doing this. I'm I'm just clarifying the truth about Islam. That's my main goal of this of this podcast. I'm doing it for the sake of Allah. I want people to know the truth about Islam. That's all I want from you know from this podcast. And inshallah, that will be uh, you know fulfilled. Uh, so again, thank you again. And if you have any questions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. And yeah, let's get right into today's topic. Uh, we're continuing uh, our topic of the nullifiers of Islam or, you know, the things that you would do that will take you out of the fold of Islam, right? And uh, last, um, I believe in the last episode we discussed um, or we talked about, uh, what was it, the shirk, the major shirk that takes you out of Islam and uh, having like a middleman or, you know, like intermediaries between um, uh, between you and God, between you and Allah, uh, believing that you cannot have a connection with Allah directly, that leads you to actually get out of the fold of Islam. And just to recap really quick, it, for, for in order for you or anyone to who is a Muslim to be a non-Muslim to to get out of the fold of Islam, uh, you need to have two things while you're doing these actions. Number one, you need to have the knowledge. You, you need to know exactly what you're doing, right? Because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala does not hold us accountable for being ignorant, um, even though He we have to uh, be more knowledgeable. But let's say we, there's something that sincerely we were not aware of and we do it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not hold us accountable for it. Alhamdulillah, and this is from the mercy of Allah. The number, the, the second condition is uh, uh, having the intention. Sometimes we have the knowledge, but we do something unintentionally. And, and, and again, Allah knows our intention. So uh, Allah would not hold us accountable, inshallah, if we do something unintentionally, right? Uh, so you have to have these two things while you're doing the action, which is like, for example, the major shirk, you're, everybody knows about it, and putting intermediaries between you and Allah. And today we will continue talking about different, uh, you know, different um, actions or different uh, points of, you know, um, the nullifiers of Islam. And uh, we're going to get to the third one, which is not considering non-Muslims to be disbelievers. Of course, we had uh, a full episode, I think uh, it was two episodes ago or something. Um, I think it was episode number 35, where we literally uh, identified what is a disbeliever. We were like, you know, um, discussing the term, what is a disbeliever? And by the way, a disbeliever is not a term that's... Um, that's that belongs to like only Muslims. Like it's not only in Islam that, that this, the definition of a disbeliever is a basically global definition. It's from the name disbelief. Meaning what? A disbeliever is someone who does not believe in what you believe in. So a disbeliever to you could not be a disbeliever to somebody else. You understand? So for Muslims, disbelievers are those who do not believe in what we believe in. 
which is what? Believe in Allah is the only God. That's number one. Number two, believing that the Prophet وسلم, our Prophet Muhammad is the final messenger of Allah. Once you don't believe in, in, in any of these things, you are a disbeliever to Muslims. Same thing, we are disbelievers to Christians because we do not believe that Jesus, as much as we love him and we appreciate Jesus Christ and we have a crazy respect for him. And we had actually many chapters talking about Jesus Christ. We have a full chapter in the Quran talking about Mary, actually with the name Maryam or Mary. But we do not believe that he's the son of God. We do not believe, we totally reject that just because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that he has no children, nor, nor he has any parents. Allah is the only God and he does not have any, um, any associates of any type, of any kind, right? Okay, so... Because we do not believe in the notion that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, nor He's a God, we are disbelievers to the to the Christian faith. To them, we are also disbelievers because we do not believe in what they believe in. It's really simple. The term is very, very self-explanatory, right? Okay. Now, one of the things that uh, could take a Muslim out of Islam is when you deny the fact that non-Muslims are disbelievers. For multiple reasons. Number one, we already identified what a what a believer is. We already define. I mean, not identified. My bad. Defined what uh, this believer is. So, uh, duh. <laughs> you know, like it really. So the the, the term disbeliever meaning somebody who does not believe in what you believe in yet. You're, I don't know. You're you're saying no, they're not. So that's. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. But that's not a reason for you to get out of the fold of Islam, right? It's just maybe you don't get it. But here's the reason why you would get out of the fold of Islam. Because Allah called them disbelievers in the Quran. The people of the book. Anybody who's not a Muslim is a disbeliever. Just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, um, praised the, the, the Christians and the Jews in, 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 in the Quran by saying that they are the people of the book. Right, so he gave him Allah subhanahu wa taala gave him a different status than people who worship the, than pagans or those who worship idols, because they are literally the people of the book, right? And they received messages from Allah, or the ancestors received messages from Allah, like Christianity, like through Jesus Christ and Moses, peace be uh, upon both of them. Uh, but there was a changing in the text, and they didn't believe in the prophet that came after them, so that's why it was lost, basically in I don't know translation, maybe or not. But it was not lost in, lost in culture or maybe time. And uh, that's why you find different versions of the Bible. But in the Quran, alhamdulillah, and this is from Allah's blessings, it's only one version of the Quran because Allah said it will be preserved. And we talk, discussed this in the episode of the, you know describing the Quran. And we said, why would Allah preserve the Quran only? Well, because it's the final book. Allah is not sending any more messages, messengers, my bad. Allah not sending any more Bibles or books. This is it. This is the final one. So Allah will preserve it until the day of judgment. Now, back to my point. Allah tells us in the Quran many times. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the chapter of Bayina. The first verse in the chapter of Bayina, those who disbelieved from the people of the book, 
and the pagans. You know, Allah's literally calling the people of the book disbelievers. Again, makes sense, right? Because they don't believe in him and the Prophet and the pagans as well, right? And also Allah says, لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْمَسِيحُ ibn Maryam. Allah says, those who say that Jesus Christ is the uh, uh, and the son of Mary is God because he's the son of God are disbelievers because that's not the truth based on the Islamic faith. You know, those who say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is part of three, meaning the Trinity, are disbelievers as well. Again, that's it's it's logical. You know, it's reality. They're not believers in Islam. So yeah, they are disbelievers. Now, for you to come as a Muslim and say, no, don't call them disbelievers. It's weird. Because Allah said so. So that means you're either saying that the Quran or Sunnah are wrong. Or you're saying that Allah is wrong. Do you see my point? That's why it's it's crazy. You're going against what Allah said. Again, I don't know. If, if you're doing it because you're trying to be politically correct, there is nothing wrong with the word disbeliever. Again, it's. I know the culture makes it sometimes, um, gives it a bad connotation. But you know what? You're, you're a disbeliever. I can't call you a believer in my religion because I believe something completely different from you. You know? Yet. Some people, no, 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 don't call them disbelievers. Well, you're not supposed to. Now, here's the thing. You're not supposed to walk around calling them disbelievers, you know? It's just the fact that they are disbelievers, you have to just, you know, understand this fact, agree with it, because it's the truth. But you're denying it, or you're like, keep saying that it's not true is the problem. But, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remember we talked about this, told us to be kind to non-Muslims. To be nice to them as long as they're, you know, either normal or nice to us. So you're not supposed to walk around, say, hey, you're a disbeliever, hey, those disbelievers, oh, remember? No, that's not what we're supposed to do at all. But my point is, you cannot deny the fact that they are disbelievers in your religion. It's really that simple, right? Okay. Now, here's the interesting part. <clears throat> In order for us to be Muslims, for those of, for those of you or for those of us who you know converted to Islam, they were not born as as Muslims. Um, we have to actually disbelieve in everything a non-Muslim would believe in. It's actually in the testimony of faith. When you say what Ashhadu anna la ilaha illallah, what does that mean? I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship. Than Allah You're disbelieving I bear witness that there is no You're literally denying the fact That there is any entity worthy of worship Rather than Allah Nothing else is worthy of worship So you're disbelieving in everything else Except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That's how you actually start your testimony of faith You know Okay Now Now this is basically, it's, it's really that simple. We just, you know, we got over this point. Now, I want to have some interesting, some of them, um, actually, I was like sitting with a group of non-Muslims who were actually on their way to uh, studying to be becoming Muslims. And if they're listening right now, they'll know I'm talking about them. Uh, and we were discussing some of the rulings, be, you know, between Muslims and non-Muslims. And actually, this is the perfect topic to discuss it. Uh, it's not controversial, it's just some some people might think, oh, this is too harsh, but actually it's not. Just, you know, 
open your mind and listen to what I have to say. Number one, you cannot repent on behalf of a non-Muslim. <clears throat> you cannot make istighfar on behalf of a non-Muslim. Why? Think about it. Like, for example, if a non-Muslim died, you can't say, oh, may Allah forgive them for their sins. Or may Allah put them to, uh, you know, in Jannah or in paradise. Why can't you? It's very logical, by the way. Some of you might hear this and be like, whoa, really? It's, it's kind of cold. It's actually not. Think about it. What did Allah say? I will never forgive anybody who dies upon shirk, associating someone with me. So basically not who's not a Muslim. Now you're asking, you're repenting on their behalf. You're asking Allah to forgive them. What does that mean? What does that mean? You're going against what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated or said that he will, won't do. You're basically Allah saying, I'm not going to, you know, uh, forgive those who die upon shirk. And you'll be like, oh, please forgive them. Guess what? You're not better than the Prophet sallallahu Remember the story of the Prophet sallallahu when he wanted Allah to forgive his uncle? What did Allah say? No. I, guide whomever I want, I forgive whomever I want, but they, these, this person cannot be forgiven. Do you think you're better than Prophet Abraham, Ibrahim alayhi salam? Because guess what? His own father died as a pagan and he won't be forgiven on the day of judgment. We already talked about this story when the uh, Prophet Ibrahim will ask Allah, Oh Allah, you told me that you know, I'm going to be happy on the day of judgment. So why my dad or my father is going to hellfire? Can you please bring him to Jannah? And Allah will say, I cannot forgive those who died upon shirk. These giants of human beings, the best of the best of mankind, were not granted this wish. Yet you're still making repentance for non-Muslims who die upon shirk. How is that even? Do you understand my point? Now, this doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam, but this straight up you can't do because it's not right. You know, you're not supposed to make dua for them. And if you know that you're not supposed to make dua for them and yet you do, then you are a sinner. You know, okay, you don't believe me? Allah actually said it in the Quran. This is not, we're not even now talking about logically. We're talking about a straight command from Allah. In the chapter of Tawbah, Allah said what? مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيُّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَيَّسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ Allah saying, nor, look at this, nor the prophet, uh, the, the, uh, not the prophet, nor the believers, the, the companions of the prophet are allowed to make, to ask for forgiveness for those who died upon shirk. Or while they're alive. I mean, because they're still mushriks, right? They're still disbelievers. So we're just saying, I'm just giving you an example if you ask for repentance when they die. But even while they're alive. Because they're committing shirk. Look, look at this. Even if they were family members. The uncle of the Prophet The father of Prophet Ibrahim They were not forgiven. So what makes you any better? Think about it. So that's number one. 
in terms of the relationship or the ruling of the relationship between Muslims and non-Muslims. Second one, you're not allowed or you're not supposed to attend their burial rituals. And actually, that that was one of the things we talked about with my uh, the, my group of students of, of of who are at the time, alhamdulillah, now they're Muslims, uh, and they're Muslims even you know when we discuss certain like what seems to be rough, but it's actually very logical. And like I explained to fir- the first point, and I'll get to the second point in in a second. But alhamdulillah, we discussed this because they had friends who were best friends, and they were like Christians. But they were not supposed to go attend the burial. And the reason why is, what happens in the burial? What happens in the burial? They start reciting stuff, stating that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So basically saying things that are an insult to Allah, because Allah said it's an insult to say that I have children or family in general, because I'm the only God, I'm God. I don't have family. I didn't have kids from humans. Do you understand my point? So it's an insult and you can't be listening to this even though you don't believe in it. But you're not supposed to be in such a setting and participating in it. You can visit maybe before or after the actual ritual. But you're supposed to visit, by the way. Now, Islam is not telling us to not be social with non-Muslims. That's incorrect. That's 100% incorrect. You're actually supposed to be, again, like, it's in the Quran. You're supposed to be very kind to them. You're supposed to be very nice to them. You know, as long as they're nice to you, of course. But my point is, there are certain things that you're not supposed to, you know, attend or be in because of the insult. Because remember, before we talked about this topic, we said what? One critical thing is what? Allah comes first. Whoever insults Allah, yeah, we can't. We can't be there. Allah has to come before yourself, your family, your community, your everyone. God comes first. God can't come second because you're trying to please um, your friends or you know your group of people that you know. God must come first. That doesn't mean do not go visit. Actually, let me tell you, because we're not just talking about things and without you know actions. Ali ibn Abi Talib, the cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when his dad, the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu the one who you know died as a pagan, when he died, when Abu Talib died, what happened? What happened? That was the same uncle we're talking about. What happened? The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam felt bad because there's nobody from the family or like you know was there to bury the father and then Ali himself said no (laughs) his own son said he died as a pagan I can't I can't attend such a ritual he's being buried as a pagan not a Muslim so I can't do that the Prophet felt bad and Ali said no Allah comes first so we're not just talking like that. It's actually stuff that happened to our Prophet ﷺ and our companions. They were not exempt from this, you know. But you still have to visit and show compassion and show kindness and sweetness to those people. Your friends, family, neighbors, community, doesn't matter. You have to show kindness. Because that's what Islam is all about. 
But there are certain situations that we cannot be in because we're not supposed to hear such things, you know, insults and, and stuff like that towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's all. It's that simple. It makes perfect sense in my opinion. You can, and that's not point number three, you can and you should actually visit them while they're sick. If they need help, help them. Just visiting them. You know, lifting their spirits a little bit. It's a da'wah. You're preaching Islam indirectly. They're seeing how good you are just because you're a Muslim. You know what I'm saying? Some You have your neighbor who's a non-Muslim, let's say for example. You have your neighbor who's a non-Muslim and he or she are sick. They have no family members, even if they do have family members. You just go there, visit them, offer help, get them groceries, get them stuff, you know, care care for them. If I mean, if you can, of course, but you should dedicate some time to do that. That's it. Creates a perfect world. I mean, there's no such thing as perfect world, but what, you know what I mean, a better world. Because that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us to do. You should do that. You should do that. You should be good to non-Muslims. Because there is nothing in Islam that tells you you shouldn't be good to non-Muslims. Unless there is a war and they are enemies and whatever. Then every single every single religion tells you to be strict with those people. With your enemies. Doesn't matter if they were Muslims or not. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. So when they're sick, when they need help, when they're incapable... Be there for them. That's point number three. Point number four is actually was shocking to a lot of uh, my students, which is you cannot inherit from a non-Muslim, nor a non-Muslim can inherit from you. How is that? <clears throat> Let's say that you're a convert. Okay. Uh, and you become a Muslim. Your dad or your parents are not Muslims. Right? Right? And uh, they pass away. You cannot inherit from them. If they died as pagans, uh, my bad, as, as mushriks, as non-Muslims, you are not allowed to take their money. And it's, it's vice versa. If they were Muslim and you, for example, converted or you became a non-Muslim, you're not allowed to inherit from them. If your mom is a Muslim and your dad, for example, which make, doesn't make sense. But like, again, if one of your parents... Is a Muslim, you're not allowed to inherit from that Muslim parent if you are not a, not a Muslim. So my point is, Muslims cannot inherit from non-Muslims, and non-Muslims cannot inherit from Muslims. It doesn't matter what the family situation is, that's actually, and there's actually, um, uh, um, uh, what's the word, a hadith, a, a authentic hadith about this. The Prophet ﷺ says what? لا يرث المسلم الكافر ولا الكافر المسلم this is a hadith. It, it, it literally translates to what I just said. That this believer cannot inherit from the believer or from the Muslim. And the Muslim cannot inherit from a disbeliever from, you know, a non-Muslim. That's it. There is the the next point is, I think, point number what, five or four. Um, this is actually a very known uh, issue, or not issue, maybe, I mean, like, a very known point, which is a Muslim woman cannot marry a non-Muslim man. A Muslim, a Muslim man can marry a non-Muslim woman, as long as she's from the people of the book. We discussed this whole marriage thing, I remember. As long as she's from the people of the book, and it's not recommended to do it in a non-Muslim country. 
Actually, you shouldn't do it in a non-Muslim country. And I'm not going to get into detail because that was a whole topic. I think you can go back to it. And I think I think it's um, inner faith, marriage in Islam. I forgot the number of the episode. I'm sorry. But it's there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, also, <clears throat> and Allah says, does, says this in the Quran. فَإِنْ عَلِمْتُمُوهُنَّ مُؤْمِنَاتٍ فَلَا تَرْجِعُوهُنَّ إِلَى الْكُفَّارِ لَا هُنَّ حِلٌّ لَهُمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحِلُّونَ لَهُمْ Allah says in chapter of Mumtahina, verse number 10, when women are Muslims, you, they cannot, they no longer are allowed to be married to non-Muslims. So if a Muslim woman, if a, a non-Muslim woman who converts to Islam, but her husband, for example, does not convert to Islam and he's still a non-Muslim, she's technically not, their relationship is not valid. They're automatically divorced in the sight of Allah. Anything they do together, it's not halal. It's they're basically having premarital sex or you know, sexual intercourse without marriage. Adultery. So that's basically what it is. So that's why um, a Muslim woman. Oh, the reasons why and all this is I don't want to get into it because seriously, it's a long topic and it's like a whole description. So please, if you are interested in this exact topic, it, it will be. Let me. You know what? Let me check which episode. I think I. Probably have the list right here. If you bear with me, inner faith marriage. It's episode number twenty-five. So it's episode number twenty-five, inner faith marriage in Islam. That's the title of the episode. So please, if you are interested in this, go back to it and um, yeah, listen to it. <clears throat> okay. Uh. Let's talk about the issue of another, the second point, which the next point is Muslims can eat, uh, cannot eat from the meat of non-Muslims except if they were from the people of the book. So basically Muslims can eat the meat of the people of the book, but nobody else. Here is the biggest controversy around this or the biggest, I think, misconception. And oh boy, I've been, <laughs> I went to wars with this one, I swear, with, with a lot of people. But alhamdulillah, the majority of people, they they're, they're, they know what's what what I'm talking about. And this is not like, there's no difference of opinions or anything like that. It's just a, a group of uh, uh, certain Muslim communities in certain states here in the United States are, they believe in something, but the majority of Muslims believe the opposite. And alhamdulillah, I'm with the majority of Muslims. Uh, and I, oh, I had discussions with family members, and it was like intense stuff. But I try to be alhamdulillah nice in my discussions, but sometimes they get offended. But anyway, um, we're not supposed to. We we're only Muslims in this country. In this country, I'm talking about in the, in the United States. We're only allowed to eat when it comes to meat. We're only allowed to eat halal meat and kosher meat. Anything halal or any anything kosher. So what about McDonald's? What about Burger King? Well, if they're not halal or nor kosher, if they did not announce that, I don't know if they are. If we have any halal um, branches of, of of Burger King or you know, I'm, I'm not just saying like KFC, whatever that that the, the, any any restaurant or any place, right? Here's the problem: why we're not supposed to eat from it and why it's forbidden. Number one. Eating, for example, I'm just going to take McDonald's, for example. Eating burgers from McDonald's, right? What happens is 
you don't know who slaughtered the animal and if the animal was even slaughtered. Because when Allah says you're allowed to eat from the meat of the people of the book, that doesn't mean you're allowed to eat from the serving. Do you understand? Uh, you're, <laughs> you're not allowed to eat from the... Like, it's not about who serves the food to you. Who slaughters the animal? That's the point. There's a big misconception here. It's not who serves the food. It's who does the whole slaughtering uh, procedure. Halal meat is slaughtered in a certain way, the Islamic way, and... The, the name of Allah is being recited on it by saying Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim or Bismillah and then that's what happens. Kosher, they do the same thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, eat whatever the name of Allah is mentioned on it, was mentioned on it during the slaughtering basically. And do not eat. This is this when Allah says do not do something, that means it's forbidden, right? And do not eat whatever Allah's name was not mentioned on it again during the slaughtering. What does that mean? That basically means that you don't know how was the the cow or whatever the the goat, whatever the the the, the, the animal, how was it slaughtered? Uh, if it's not kosher, nor Halal, because we know halal, we know it, and kosher, we know it. They mentioned the name of God. It's it's a form. That's why we're allowed to eat the, the from the meat of the people of the book because Allah, God's name is mentioned upon it. We don't have the different God. It's if ultimately the same God. You know that, right? There could be intermediaries. There could be different interpretations. It's the same God for the three religions: Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. It's the same God eventually, right? Uh, ultimately, so kosher, they do that. They do it based on the. You know uh, uh, um, the Jewish faith. Uh, they they mention the name of God on it. They slaughter it in a certain way, and that's it. That's why we're allowed to eat it. But in the country we live in, in the West in general, it's became more of an industry. They don't like cut the meat and they cut the they, they don't slaughter the animal and mention the name of God on. It. You don't know that. Actually, most of the animals I've, I've I've watched documentary that they die before that. They 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 electrocute them. They snap their necks. They do certain things. Before the slaughtering, which actually is hundred percent forbidden, because it's called the lahm al mita, the dead meat. We're not allowed to eat it in, in in Islam. This is verse is mentioned next to alcohol as well. We're not allowed to eat, to eat dead animals, animals who died before the slaughtering. We're not allowed to eat them. That creates a whole different issue now. So you have the issue of that Allah's name is not mentioned, God's name is not mentioned on it, and if they were dead before the slaughtering, we don't know. And most likely that's not the case. We know that for a fact. Most likely that's not the case. So why are we playing in the gray area, which actually is not that gray. It's even worse than gray. You have halal meat and it's not that more expensive. It's a tiny bit expensive. You know, you have halal meat, you have kosher meat. If you can't afford halal meat, if it's a little bit more expensive for you, like, you know, go get the, the, the what is it called? The beef franks or whatever, the hot dogs. And instead of getting, getting an unknown brand, just get those ones. They're, they're kosher, uh, or any type of kosher meat. F f you know that that that's exactly basically what I meant. But yeah, so that's the issue of eating the meat from the people of the book from the non-Muslims. I just don't want to get on a tangent and keep explaining this, but I think you guys got the point, inshallah. And if you have any questions regarding that, please ask me, um, and I'll be gladly, inshallah, able to answer. So yeah, that's basically it.
So that's the third point in the nullifiers of Islam, which is what believing or stating that non-Muslims are not disbelievers. And we talked about all the rulings between Muslims and non-Muslims, and I hope this was very logical, you know, explanation to everything. It really do, it does make sense, you know. So let's move on to the fourth point, which is believing that the guidance other than Islam is better than Islam. There's a guidance out there. That's why you're a Muslim, right? You're believing this while you're a Muslim. Believing that there's a better guidance than Islam. And I'll basically talking about the prophet, the sunnah. You believe that, uh, I don't know, I don't like the sunnah, I don't know. It's, I feel like there's something better out there. Like there's something that makes more sense. Now with the knowledge, knowing that, you know, you, knowing that, you know, what you're saying and the intention of believing in it, that takes you out of the fold of Islam. Because here's the general rule, my, my, my dear brothers and sisters. If Muslims do not follow our Prophet wasallam, they will never agree. We're disagreeing right now while we're following the sunnah. Imagine if there was no sunnah. There is no specific way. Imagine that. It will be a lot more chaotic. Now we, we have disagreements, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that we agree on. Agree on at, and those things are the stuff that the Prophet used to do and told us to do. That's following the sunnah. Following the sunnah makes us united, makes Muslims united in a good way, makes us agree because there's one point of view. If everybody's going to keep interpreting the Quran based on what they think, it's going to be chaos. And that's why we have some extremists, you know, in certain countries who are be, be, becoming or being terrorists and, and you know, terrifying people and doing it under the label of Islam because, number one, they're ignorant of the religion. Number two, they're not practicing the religion. They're doing it for purely um, uh, political reasons. And uh, I think one of my early, I think the, the, the first season, where the, the, it was an episode with the title, Is Islam a Violent Religion? Go and watch uh, and listen to that, please, because I explain this whole terrorism phenomena, what it is, and it's only, only uh, political. There's no religion in this. The religion is being used as a banner. The religion is being used to lower those who are ignorant of, of the religion to convince them and brainwash them that the religion says so. And that's the problem when you do not follow the sunnah, when you do not see the interpretation of the Prophet ﷺ to the Qur'an, you get lost. You get lost. That's why sunnah is as important as the Qur'an. We talked about that. Uh, <laughs> I know I keep saying we talked about the throwbacks at like, you know, previous episodes. But yeah, I had an episode talking about the sunnah in Islam. What is the sunnah? And I'm explaining how important the sunnah is. It's critical to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ because it gives you knowledge. It gives you perspective. It's a lens and it's an interpretation, the right and the accurate interpretation of the Qur'an. And it makes us united in a knowledgeable, educational way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ The Prophet does not come up with his own rulings. Allah is telling us this to, to, to make us, you know, He's telling us, don't worry. Follow the Prophet because he does not come up with his own rulings. I make sure of that. This is a God talking. You know, it's all coming from me. A revelation from me. 
<clears throat> when the Prophet ﷺ tells us, commands us to do something in a hadith, we have to do it. It becomes mandatory. Unfortunately, a lot of people think, oh, sunnah is not mandatory. Sunnah is very mandatory. Nawafil are not. There are, there, the, the word sunnah is being used here, I think, in a, in a, in a, in a wrong way. Like, for example, the nawafil mean the extra, extra prayers. Yeah, they're not mandatory. But when the Prophet ﷺ says, do this. Do that. When he says this in a hadith, you have to do it. You need to understand that you cannot worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except with except for except the same way that the Prophet used to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You cannot do it any other way. Do you understand? He's our guidance to our religion. The Prophet is our guidance to the religion. You understand, like I'll, I'll, I don't want to keep going because I mentioned this in previous episodes, but I'm just going to... Who told you how to pray? It's not mentioned in the Quran. Who told you how many rakahs do we have to pray? It's not mentioned in the Quran. None of that is mentioned in the Quran. Who told you the timings of the prayer? Who told you the percentage of the zakat? None of that is mentioned in the Quran. So why do you do it if you don't believe that the way of the Prophet is the ultimate way to the religion or to worshiping Allah. You're doing it every day. Those who reject the Prophet, and they are minority, alhamdulillah. But those of you who, you know, believe that they have their own way, isn't that the opposite of the, like, isn't that contradicting the idea of a religion? Because it's not a free for all. When it comes to the religion, you need guidance because you know nothing. You have to understand, my dear brothers and sisters, this is not an oppression or, or a mental oppression. That you don't have to think. No, you have to think for yourself. But when it comes to certain rulings, if you're not, you cannot come up with a ruling when you do not understand the subject matter. And you'll never fully understand the religion. You'll never fully understand stuff that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to, you know, to follow. Not all of them, because some of them must be left for faith. For your trust and de- testing your faith. So you have to follow the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ to get there, you know. Those who want an explanation or a logical proof of everything, they're not faithful. They're not, they're not people of faith. They're logical people. They're people of science. Oh, 1 plus 1 equals 2. Good. So if I tell you 5 plus 5 equals 10. Okay, 5 plus 5 equals 10. So if I told you 5 plus 5 equals 50, would you believe it? No, I wouldn't. All right, what if God told you 5 plus 5 equals 50? Well, if God actually said it, I have to believe it if I have faith. And then Allah either explains it to me how that is possible, or he wouldn't, and he will keep it that way to test your faith. Okay, okay. so my point is, as long as you know and you verify 100% this is coming from Allah, from God, or the Prophet wasallam, 100%, you have to believe in it. Because that's how Allah tests you. If everything is logical, if everything makes sense, where is the test? There's no test. Think about it. So that's it. Let's move on to the next point, which is point number five. The nullifier number five, which is disliking what Allah has revealed. Well, it's obvious. Now, there is a huge difference between disliking what Allah has revealed and not following what Allah has revealed. Or Allah's commands. There's a huge difference between disliking, hating what Allah commanded us to do, 
or not following the commands. There's a huge difference. Not following the commands, this is could be due to the lack of faith, laziness, you know, like you have you're, you're lazy, again, it's because of the lack of faith. You're a sinner, but you don't get out of the fold of Islam. You're not, you know, there's a lot of things that we do that we sin when we do them, but that doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam. Now, hating what Allah has revealed, hating the fact that Allah revealed, we have to pray five times a day. When you hate that, hate that command, oh, you get out of the fold of Islam. When you hate that you have to fast Ramadan, hate it. Hate that command. You're not a Muslim anymore. Not being able to do it is fine. Well, it's not fine. You're still a sinner. But my point is, it does not take you out of the fold of Islam. So there's a huge difference here between not doing something and hating it. Hating it takes you out of the fold of Islam when it comes to the commands of Allah. Not doing it makes you a sinner. You can repent, it will be wiped clean, and you go back to do them again. Like for example, those who argue that the hijab is not mentioned in the Quran. By the way, uh, let me add to this. Hating Allah's commands or Saying that Allah's commands are not mandatory upon us or saying that something is haram is not haram. So basically, going the opposite of Allah has said, that also takes you out of the fold of Islam. So for those who say the hijab is not mentioned in the Quran, not explicitly, no, no. Okay. But then you say, I don't have to wear hijab. Now, Allah tells you in the Quran that you have to wear hijab, but you're saying you don't have to wear hijab. You're actually... Shifting the religion based on your own beliefs or based on your own thoughts or based on your own mentality or based on your own Comfort, you know, you're in your comfort zone. You don't want to leave that comfort zone So you say I'm not supposed to do it now There's a big difference between you're saying I'm not I can't do it not now not maybe not ever That's fine. You're a sinner, but you can't do it. Okay saying I'm not supposed to it's not mandatory Oh, no, you can't say that Talk about yourself do not change the religion. Because when you do that, number one, you're belying what Allah said. <laughs> you're denying what Allah has stated in the Quran and what the Prophet stated in the Sunnah. That's number one. Number two, you're a bad influence on the rest of the Muslims. Because, oh, if they're a little bit ignorant, they could believe you. And it becomes a problem. Or if you hate to wear the hijab, if you hate the idea of the hijab, still it takes you out of the fold of Islam. If you hate the idea of the hijab, it takes you out of the fold of Islam as well. Okay, let's move on now to point number six of the nullifiers of Islam, which is mocking or ridiculing anything from the religion. That's a problem because culture-wise, some people think they're allowed to make jokes about the religion, about Allah's commands. Not to insult the law, they can't, well, nobody can, but they can try. Uh, nothing takes from you know the mightiness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but what I'm trying to say is they don't do it intentionally. But the problem is, it becomes uh, a thing. Like people make fun of anything regarding the religion because they think they're funny. You cannot make any types of jokes on any about any aspect of Islam. Allah is above that. 
you guys have to understand Allah's status is Allah, He's God. Like, you know, when someone says Allah has a son, you know what happens? It's mentioned in the Quran. The sky is about to shake, earth is about to split open, mountains are about to collapse. Wallahi, this happens. We just, we don't, we just don't feel it because we don't understand. But Allah stops them from, from doing so. Because you know that the sky, the earth, and the mountains are actually living beings. And they do everything Allah created, they do tasbih and praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So certain um, elements of the nature, when people claim stuff about Allah like that, they get angry. <laughs> this actually is mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah, in the Hadith. They get angry. So you can't go say a joke, you know, knock knock joke or whatever, or make any type of joke about any ruling or any ritual in Islam. You cannot. You're not allowed to do so. You know, you're not allowed to do so. And to, okay, so what if you are only listening to mockery? Like if you're sitting there and, and your friends are like, you know, making jokes about Islam or the religion or whatever. And there are Muslims we're talking about. Well, you have to stop the mockery or else leave. If you can't stop it. Like you have to be like, guys, you, you can't do that. And this happens. A lot, a lot of my friends who are just, they don't know any better, right? So when they start making jokes about that, I was like, guys, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to joke like that. Well, if they listen, they listen. Alhamdulillah, my friends, they do listen. But if, if your friends or your family members, whoever, if they listen, great. If they don't listen, leave. Because remember, you're not, a, you're not supposed to be sitting in a place where stuff like that are being said. It's exactly like the burial thing for the non-Muslims. Because you'll be considered part of the mockery, and you shouldn't be part of the mockery, especially if you're not even if you're not saying it or not, you know, it's not coming from you. There is some sort of respect in our religion towards the religion, towards Allah above all, and His Messenger, and the rulings by Allah and His Messenger. There is a certain level of respect. Like, you know, do you guys know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never called our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam with his name in the Quran, except for once. He always called him as Prophet or Messenger. Nabiullah, Rasulullah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls him Muhammad when he's not addressing him. He doesn't address him by his name. He's talking about Muhammad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the, one, the, the, the times that is mentioned by his name, when he's talking about him, not addressing him. And this is out of respect. Allah, God himself, is showing respect to our Prophet sallallahu then we should too. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the chapter of Nur, verse number 63, Do not call the Prophet like you call one another. Hey, Wael, how are you? Hey, uh, hey Muhammad, how are you? No, 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 no. You always address him, even though you're his friends, the companions, by Rasulullah, the messenger of Allah, O Prophet of Allah. Do not call him by his name. It's out of respect. He's the most respected human being on earth. Allah is the, should be the most respected entity in this existence because Allah is the one who created existence. We can't make fun and jokes about any aspect of this, you know? Again, a Muslim puts Allah first. Always jealous when it comes to the religion. Flexible with people, flexible socially, nice and 
tender with other people. But when it comes to compromising the religion, no way a Muslim should accept that. <clears throat> okay, so now I don't want to move on to the next point because the next point is going to be a longer point, which is basically a magic or sorcery. And uh, magic or sorcery, this is going to be a long topic. And um, I think I will. I think next, inshallah, next episode will be the final episode in terms of like we're gonna finish all the points regarding the nullifiers of Islam, and uh, um, we'll end it at then. It will be done by next episode, inshallah. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions regarding you know any episode or any topic or anything that I've you know talked about, please let me know. Uh, and inshallah I will explain it further um, Again, thank you so much for listening And um, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh